بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا وارزقنا علما تنفعنا به آمين رب العالمين الحمد لله ثم الحمد لله we thank and we praise Allah عز وجل as we begin our lesson number 8 tonight of the tafsir of the short surahs of the Quran course and as we know we started off with the introductory lesson where we spoke about the importance of the tafsir and studying tafsir so that we can recite the Quran with understanding and with meaning and so that we can contemplate over the ayat of Allah Azza wa Jal. And then we of course moved on to the greatest surah in the Quran, the oft recited ayat, Sab'ul Mathani, the seven oft recited ayat of Surah Al-Fatiha. And tonight, walhamdulillah, we are, we have reached the last ayah of Surah Al-Fatiha, um, ayah number seven, or number six and seven according to uh, some of the scholars and we've explained how they differed in the numbering of the ayat so the next ayah as we left off last week from ihdina surat al-mustaqim guide us to the straight path or to the correct path we explained the importance of hidayah the different types of hidayah and we spoke about the surat what does it mean according to the arabic language and surat in the dunya compared to the surat in the akhirah we spoke about all of this that when we ask Allah for that guidance to the Sirat, we are asking Him for both. Tayyib, tonight we're moving on to the next ayah. Sirat al-ladheena an'amta alayhim. So according to most scholars, this is ayah number six, right? According to Imam al-Shafi'i, this would be number seven and ghayr al-maghdubi alayhim al-dharin. This is one ayah according to him and others as well. So either way, it doesn't really make a difference um, either way that we number it really doesn't uh, make too much of a difference insha'Allah So Sirat al-Ladheena an'amta alayhim The path of those you have blessed Guide us to the straight path Which path? The path of those you have blessed So this ayah further expounds upon the previous ayah And explains what is meant in more detail by the correct path By Sirat al-Mustaqim Understand? This ayah then carries on so we explained already what is the straight path, what, what do we mean by this, what, what type of guidance do we want. We went into detail on that ayah uh, by itself. Now Allah goes further. He emphasizes even, even further what is meant by the Sirat al-Mustaqim. Sirat al-Ladheena an'amta alayhim. Right? And what's the benefit in this? The benefit is that there may be many people who are confused. As to what exactly is the correct path. What is the Surat Al-Mustaqeem? Right? We spoke about last week there being one path. And we spoke about there being many other paths. Right? That, that leads to misguidance. Okay? And we mentioned there are the, generally the paths of uh, innovation, for example. We gave the tafsir of that from many scholars and so forth. Um, but what is this one correct path? What is this uh, straight path, the correct path that we are speaking about? Um, yeah, Allah Azawajal gives us more of an idea of what's meant by Surat Al-Mustaqim. Okay, so yeah, Allah is basically telling us we should look at the blessed ones who have tread this path. Look at them, right? It's, it's, the, it's their path. It's those whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed. The path upon those whom 
Allah has placed his uh, bounties, for example. Okay, so let's carry on. Who are those people? Right, so that's the next question. If, if we say we need to look at them, the, the, path of those, the path of those whom Allah has blessed. Okay, so who are them? Who are they, sorry? Who are these people that have been blessed by Allah? Right, the answer is, firstly, it is the people of taqwa. It is the people who perfect the Islam and the ihsan. It's the people of the Islam and ihsan. Okay, because many groups will claim that they, that they will enter paradise. Many groups, even from other religions, they claim that they are upon the haqq, right? Every group believes that they are upon the truth. This is the reality. Even, not just within Islam, even with regards to the other religions. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about this in the Quran. Allah azza wa jal says, وَقَالُوا The Jews and the Christians, the Hud and Nasara, here this refers to the Jews and the Christians, they each claim, that none will enter paradise except those of their own faith. So the Jews are saying, we are the righteous group. Nobody's going to enter Jannah except us. The Christians are saying the same. And Allah then says, Tilka amani yuhum. These are their desires. Yani this is their wishful thinking. Qul burhanakum in kuntum Reply, O Prophet, say to them, show me your proof if what you say is true. Prove it. From scripture, prove it from, the, from, you know, from scripture that that is authentic, that is, you know, uh, uh, validated and so forth. Right? Then Allah Azza wa Jal, He clarifies who will enter paradise. Bala, Allah says, but nay. But no. Man aslama wajhahu lillah, number one, wa huwa muhsin. Two things Allah says, whoever submits themselves to Allah, that's number one, and does good. He's a muhsin. فَلَهُ أَجْرُهُ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِ He will have their reward, or they will have their reward with their Lord. وَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا يَحْزَنُونَ And there will be no fear for them, nor will they grieve. This is Surah Baqarah. So Allah Azza wa Jal tells us of the two, uh, pe- or rather of the people, and two of the descriptions at least, of who they are that will be entering paradise. مَنْ أَسْلَمَ وَجَهَهُ لِلَّهِ One who submits himself to Allah وَهُوَ muhsin, and is a person of ihsan so it's the true Muslim Aslama is the person who submits he's a Muslim a Muslim is the one who submits Islam means to submit right Islam does not mean peace like some have claimed Islam the word means submission to submit to Allah to submit to the laws of Allah so a Muslim is one who submits Right? A Muslim is a person who submits to the laws of Allah, the decisions of Allah. So, the one who submits himself to Allah, he perfects his Islam. He's a, he's a really good Muslim. He strives to the best of his ability to be the best of Muslimin. This is number one. Number two, he perfects his Ihsan. He, he, he tries his best to be a, a person who does good, who's a Muhsin. He's, he strives to the best, the highest level. Right? He strives for perfection. As, as close as he can possibly come to perfection. This is the muhsin. In his deeds. Right? Whether it's his salah, the best way possible. Whether it's the recitation of Quran. He studies tajweed. He recites. He tries to understand. This is ihsan. Right? He recites with meaning and so forth. This is ihsan. His sadaqah, his hajj, his umrah. Everything is done to the best of his ability. His speech. 
right? He only speaks that which is good. He refrains from evil talk, from sin and so forth. And also his aqeedah, his belief is one of ihsan. He strives to perfect his ihsan. He strives to uh, perfect his belief rather. To study the correct aqeedah, to study the correct belief system, to study the correct methodologies and so forth. Um, and to follow as best as he can the Quran and the Sunnah. Right? So this is the two descriptions given to us in this ayah. Number one, he's a really good Muslim who tries his best in his deeds and also in his ihsan and so forth. Right? To go further, another example of who the blessed ones are. The path of whom we, we need to follow even, you know, in a more clear example. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, right? So the first example is a, is a gentle idea, a good Muslim, a person of ihsan and so forth. And the second example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he gives us a more, uh, a clearer understanding basically of who um, the blessed ones are. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَن يُطِعِ اللَّهَ وَالرَّسُولَ فَأُولَٰئِكَ مَعَ الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ مِنَ النَّبِيِّينَ وَالصِّدِّقِينَ وَالشُهَدَاءَ وَالصَّالِحِينَ Right, Allah mentions these four groups of people. وَحَسُنَ أُولَٰئِكَ رَفِيقًا ذَٰلِكَ الْفَضْلُ مِنَ اللَّهِ وَكَفَى بِاللَّهِ عَلِيمًا And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Whomsoever obeys Allah and the Messenger will be in the company of those blessed by Allah. This is exactly the same wording. أَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ In Surah Fatiha, the path of those who was blessed, right? Yeah, Allah says, those who obey Allah and the Messenger, they will be in the company of those whom أَنْعَمَ Allah, right? The ones Allah blessed. So this is exactly, you know, the similar wording, Allah is now showing us whom they are, the path of those who are blessed are. Who are they? From amongst them are the, the Prophets. مِنَ nabiyin, The Prophets. The Anbiya. وَالصِّدِّقِينَ the people of truth, the truthful ones, the really sincere, the best of believers. Washuhada, the martyrs, wassalihin and the righteous. What honorable company? This is a favor of Allah. This is Allah's favor. And Allah fully knows who deserves it. Allah fully knows who is deserved of it, right? Who's deserved of being with them? Who's deserved of being amongst them? Allah knows. Right? Allah knows who are the sincere, who is deserved of guidance, and so forth. So, <clears throat> Allah has clarified who these blessed ones are for us. In another ayah, they are the prophets, they are the truthful ones, the siddiqeen, they are the martyrs, and they are the righteous. Right? These are the four groups that Allah has mentioned. We know the prophets, right? the head of them being the Prophet Muhammad, وسلم, Ibrahim, Ibrahim, Nuh alayhi salam, Musa alayhi salam, and Isa alayhi salam, they are the ulul azm, they are the best of the best. And then you get many of the other prophets. Khair, the truthful ones, the siddiqeen, are those, at the head of them, we believe is who? Abu Bakr as-siddiq. Siddiqeen as-siddiq. He was the truly the truthful one of this ummah, right? The one who believed in the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam first. And after the Isra and the Mi'raj took place, when the Quraysh and the Mushrikeen tried to use this to insult the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and they said to Abu Bakr, "Are you hearing what your companion has said? That he went to Aqsa and he came back through the night, etc." Abu Bakr immediately said, "What he said is the truth. If that's what he said, I believe it." This is the Siddiqeen, no doubts. Right? Immediately he was um, firm in his belief, a true believer, truthful in, you know, uh, to the to. 
to the best of his abilities basically. So you get the Siddiqeen, right? And included in this is definitely Abu Bakr. And then you get the martyrs, those who have given their lives for Islam to establish the word of Allah as the highest, right? They died for the sake of Allah and not for the sake of bravery or for the people, etc. They, they went and they fought for the sake of Allah. And you get the righteous, the people are salihin, you know, those who abstain from haram and those who fulfill the wajibat, those who are close to Allah Azza wa Jal, they strive to fulfill as much of the sunnah as possible and so forth, right? The, the righteous people. Um, and this is because these people, these four groups, they followed the correct path upon nur from the, from the Rabb and upon clear evidence from the Quran and the sunnah. They are the true slaves who obeyed Allah Azza wa Jal and responded to him and his instructions. The best of them being the messengers and the prophets. Um, Walhamdulillah. So, as slaves of Allah, what's our duty? Our duty is that we need to find these people. The prophets are not amongst us, so we cannot follow them. But we have the sunnah. We have the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam. We need to follow the sunnah then. We need to try and be of the Siddiqeen, those who have no doubts, just like Abu Bakr, those who are sincere and firm, right? We need to try and be of the martyrs if that opportunity comes, we give our life for the sake of Allah, right? And we honor the shuhada, we pray for them and so forth. And we need to try our best to be of the righteous, right? As one of the Salaf, he said, I love the righteous even though I'm not one of them. So if we are not one of them, we don't consider ourselves to be of the righteous, we should love them and we should strive to be in their company to benefit from them and to learn from them and to try and to be to, to try and you know become like them inshallah um, so that we can be of those who are at least with or trying to be with them who are blessed by Allah Azzawajal and to be on the straight path. Another point of benefit here is notice how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says alayhim, the path of those you have blessed. Remember we are speaking to Allah when we, because it's a dua so we are saying, oh Allah, guide us to the straight path, the path of those whom you have blessed. Right? Meaning, this blessings came from who? From Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not from themselves. The, the blessing was not from the prophets themselves. These blessings did not come from the shuhada or the righteous or the siddiqin themselves. It came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? It's because Allah blessed them that they reached these levels. Not because of themselves. Not because of their ijtihad or their striving or their sincerity. Yes, because of that Allah guided them. But ultimately it comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in this is a powerful lesson that we need to be thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for, for, for being guided. And because if it's not for the guidance of Allah, we would be lost. We would be lost. There's no doubt about this. And a proof that we are all in complete need of Allah's guidance. This is the reality. You know, whomsoever Allah does not guide will not be guided. None can guide. Right? Whomsoever Allah does not guide, none can guide. Right? And whomsoever Allah guides, none can misguide. So guidance is only in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if we are upon the deen of Islam, alhamdulillah, we need to be thankful for that. We need to thank Allah verbally. We need to believe from the bottom of our hearts that we are truly grateful to Allah. And we need to strive in our actions to show Allah that we are grateful to be Muslims. That we are not um, humiliated to be Muslims. We are not shy of being Muslim. So we show Allah Azza wa Jal we dress like Muslims. We act like Muslims. We speak like Muslims. We live like Muslims without hiding our deen. We are out there 
whether it's on university, whether you are working uh, in, a, in a working you know, society or, or environment, for example, with non-Muslims, we show them we are firstly Muslim, proud, you know, to be Muslimin. And then we are also, you know, we show them the character of the Muslim and so forth. Um, without hiding who we are, without trying to change our accent to the way we dress or the way we look and to... La, we show we are Muslimin firstly because we are so grateful to Allah Azza wa Jalla that He guided us to Islam. This is the way of the believer. He should be thankful and grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this guidance. Um, because there is no guidance or steadfastness or direction except that it is from the blessings of Allah. And therefore we need to be grateful for this. And this also shows and proves that the slave is in complete need of Allah at every moment. We are not in control of our guidance. As, as we mentioned in the hadith last week, the heart is a heart, is qalb. Qalb means that which changes, right? That which is always changing, the hearts. And this is why the Prophet ﷺ made dua that Allah, Ya Muqallib al-Qulub, the changer of the hearts, Thabbit qalbi ala deenik. Keep my heart firm upon your deen. Because the heart can flip any moment. And the hadith even said that the heart is between the two fingers of Ar-Rahman. He can flip it as he, as he wants. Subhanallah. So we should always ask Allah for guidance. And this is why we make dua in, this, in the Fatiha. And other than the Fatiha for guidance. And we should be grateful for guidance. We should always, you know, don't turn away from guidance. Don't be of those who turn away. And we'll speak about this later, um, inshaAllah. So Allah firstly guides the slave to knowing the right path. Right? We spoke about this type of hidayah, the hidayah of knowledge and irshad. Allah is the one who gives them that knowledge. Secondly, Allah then gives them the guidance of tawfiq, to act upon their knowledge and to actually follow the right path. Right? Then Allah rewards them for following the right path. And this is a sign of His great mercy, His grace, His goodness and kindness. Imagine, Allah guides us, He shows us the right path. Then He grants us the tawfiq to actually follow the path. Right? To actually stick to what we know, what's, what's proper and to follow it. And then, he rewards us for doing that. He blesses us in this dunya and in the akhirah with Jannah bi'idhnillah. What, what mercy is this? Allah gives it to us and then He rewards us. You know, just for following what He has given us. This, subhanAllah, shows us the great mercy, the grace and, and kindness of Allah Azza wa Jal. And this realization, it brings about love upon love for Allah. As well as tawakkul. We put our trust in Allah. We understand he has our best interests at heart. He, has, he only wants the best for us. Hence, we leave our face to Him. We submit unto Him. You know, we do our best and we leave the rest to Allah. Because Allah will take care of it. Right? Allah will never fail us. He will never desert us. Because this is the love of Allah. This is the kindness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this also proves that the path of Allah or that the right path is one. This, part, this proves that it is one. Right, because all of those who we mentioned, the Anbiya, the Siddiqeen, the Shuhada, and the Salihin, they were all upon one path. They were all upon one path. Right? And this in reality is known as the way or the path of the Salafus Salih. Right? We need to know what is this path, especially in today's time. Today we have so many groups, so many different, um, you know, uh, uh, tariqas and so many different ideologies out there. Every year you, you, you learn of new, new things coming up, you know. Some more extreme than the other. Some definitely more misguided and astray than the other. Um, 
But they are out there, you know, new ideologies all the time popping up. Understand? So we need to understand what is this correct path. In reality, what is it? Where do we find this correct path? Whom, who, where is the path of the prophets? Where is the path of the Siddiqeen, of the righteous, of the martyrs? Where is this one path that we keep talking about? Right? And to be explicitly clear, this is without a doubt, without a feather of a doubt, this is what we call the way of the Salafus Salih, the way of the righteous predecessors. The righteous, the Salaf mean the predecessors, those who came before us, right? And we don't mean last year or two years or ten years ago, those classical Imams, those who came from the earliest days of Islam. They are those who are we regard as our righteous predecessors because we know they were righteous. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praised them. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam praised them. And they instructed us to follow them. They instructed us to follow them. And this is how we know that that must be the right path. If they were praised by Allah and the Messenger, then they must have been upon guidance. Hence, that is the right path. So we need to go back. We need to take ourselves back. We shouldn't be following some latter-day school of thought. right? We should be following the ancient way. The oldest methodology, that of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and his sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum ajma'een. And this is also what we refer to as salafiyyah, right? which means to follow the predecessors. Which means, as simple, it means to follow the predecessors. It doesn't mean to follow um, some uh, country like the Saudis or the Egyptians or any other country. It doesn't mean to follow some scholar who came 200 years ago or 600 years ago or 800 years ago. It means we follow the Salaf, which means the Prophet ﷺ and the Sahaba and those who follow them in righteousness. And we will expound upon this bi The Prophet ﷺ, he said that the Bani Israel He said the Bani Israel, they split up into 72 sects. And then he says, My Ummah was split into 73 sects. All of them will be in the fire except for one. Except for one group. This doesn't mean that every single individual is going to Jahannam except for those on this group. It means that those groups, they basically lead to Jahannam. They are upon misguidance except for one group. Right? So we are not putting anybody into Jahannam. Specifically, we are saying the, the other pathways are, uh, are, are pathways which lead to Jahannam. Let's leave it at that. But we are not putting specific people and saying, oh, he's in Jahannam, he's in Jahannam because he's not following a particular... Only Allah knows who's going to Jahannam or Jahannam. We don't know where we are going, nor where others are going, right? But this pathway that we are trying to follow and trying to teach is what takes us to Jahannam bi'idhnillah. The other pathway, pathways are leading as to, to misguidance, right? And to the fire as the hadith basically says. قَالُوا وَمَنْ هِيَ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ The Sahaba then said, who are they? O Messenger of Allah, who, who is this path? This, this one group that you have mentioned, who are they? And he said, قَالَ مَا أَنَا عَلَيْهِ وَأَصْحَابِي They are those who follow that which I and my companions follow. They are those who follow that which أَنَا عَلَيْهِ وَأَصْحَابِي What I and my companions follow. And this hadith is in a Tirmidhi and others and it's considered as um, Hassan and Sahih according to certain ulama. So, what is this group? What is this one path? It's the way of the Prophet ﷺ, without any doubt and the Sahaba. 
and the Sahaba. Right? It's the ancient way. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَالسَّابِقُونَ الْأَوَّلُونَ مِنَ الْمُهَاجِرِينَ وَالْأَنصَارِ And the foremost to embrace Islam are the muhajirin and the ansar, meaning the Sahaba, وَالَّذِينَ تَبَعُوهُمْ بِإِحْسَانِ Pay attention to this part of the verse. And also those who followed them exactly in faith. Take note, whom Allah is praising here. Allah is praising certain people. Number one, muhajirin and ansar, the Sahaba. And those who followed them in ihsan. Who followed them in ihsan. What does Allah say about them? Radiallahu anhum radu'an. Allah is pleased with them and they are well pleased with him. وَأَعَدَّلَهُمْ جَنَّةٍ تَجْرِي تَحْتَ الْأَنْهَارُ خَالِدْنَا فِيهَا أَبَدًا He has prepared for them gardens under which rivers flow to dwell therein forever. Jannah. ذَلِكَ الْفَوْزُ الْعَظِيمُ That is the supreme success. Take note of the spot of the ayah. وَالَّذِينَ اتَّبَعُوهُمْ بِإِحْسَانِ We know about the Muhajirin Ansar that is clear that refers to who? The Sahaba. Who does this part of the ayah refer to? Those who follow them in Ihsan. Imam Al-Si'idi, Imam of Tafsir, he said, Those who follow them in their belief, in their speech and action. Those who follow the Sahaba in their belief, the Aqeedah, their speech, the way they spoke, the way they interacted with others, and their action, the way they worshipped Allah. The way they, they acted and, and so forth, right? The ibadat, those who sticks those who stick to their way. Understand? They don't come up with new ways, no innovated ways, no innovated belief system. It's the same like the Sahaba, as close as possible as we can be. That's where we're aiming to get to, inshaAllah. Imam Ibn Jarir al-Tabari, who was the Imam of the Mufassirin, he explained this ayah and he said, Those who tread their path in Iman, in their belief in Allah and in His Messenger. What is Iman? To believe in Allah, the Messenger, the Malaika, and so forth. That to Billahi wa Malaikati wa Kutubi wa Rusuli. We all know what Iman is, inshaAllah, the six pillars of Iman. The way the Sahaba believed in it, this is where we need to this is where we need to get to. Understand? What this teaches us is that we need to take our aqidah purely from the Quran, the Sunnah, and the way of the Sahaba. That is it. It stops there. Our aqidah does not come from philosophers. It does not come from Latter-day Ulama. It does not come from any tariqah. It does not come from any other ideology. It comes only from the Quran, from the Sunnah, and from the understanding of the Sahaba. This is though these are the people. The, we can be of these people. Those who follow the Sahaba in Ihsan, we can be of them. But we need to limit our belief system, our actions, and our ibadat, and so forth, our deen, to these sources of law. The Quran, the Sunnah, and the way of the Sahaba. Allah Azza wa Jalla also said, وَمَن يُشَاقِقِ الرَّسُولَ مِن بَعْدِ مَا تَبَيَّنَ لَهُ الْهُدَى Whoever contradicts and opposes the Messenger after Huda, guidance, the right path has been shown clearly to him, وَيَتَّبِعْ غَيْرَ سَبِيلِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Notice this part. And Allah says, and he follows other than the believers' way, the way of the believers, the true believers. Allah says, نُوَلِّهِ مَا تَوَلَّى وَنُسْلِهِ جَهَنَّمُ We shall keep him in the path he has chosen and burn him in Jahannam. What an evil destination. وَسَاءَتْ مَصِيرًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala warns us against going against the sunnah. Hadith is there, it's clear. We follow something different. The Quran, the sunnah is clear. We follow something different. And also, they follow a path different to that of the believers. The true believers. Who are they? Who are the believers? When this ayah was revealed, the true believers was very clear. It was the Sahaba. And they are the head of the believers. So these ayat are very clear. And there are many other proofs. But this is sufficient for us in this instance, bi that we need to stick to the way of the 
Salafus Salih. And that refers to the Sahaba and the Imams of the Tabi'een of the three first generations. As the Hadith is, خَيْرُ qurun قَرْنِي ثُمَّ الَّذِينَ يَلُونَهُمْ ثُمَّ الَّذِينَ يَلُونَهُمْ وَخَيْرُ النَّاسِ قَرْنِي The Prophet said, the best of people or the best of generations is my people, my generation, the Sahaba. Then those who followed them, the Tabi'een, then those who followed them, the Atba'u Tabi'een. And then he stopped there. As if to say, the, this is what we call the Qurun al-Mufaddala, the three blessed generations, the, 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 the blessed generations. They are the best, right? So we need to stick to our deen according to the way they understood the deen. The Sahaba and how those Imams of the Tabi'een understood the deen from the Sahaba. That's what we stick to and this will get us to the straight path insha'Allah, without a doubt. With no doubt, insha'Allah, this is the clear path according to the Qur'an and the Sunnah. So when we want to get to the Surat al-Mustaqim, this is where we need to be insha'Allah. We need to stick to the Qur'an, clear explicit ayat, the Sunnah, clear explicit hadith, and we interpret it the way the Sahaba interpreted it. Without our own input, without our own additional inputs. You know, we got the tafsir of the Sahaba there, we got the tafsir of the Imams there, and so forth. This is what we stick to be idhnillahi ta'ala. And insha'Allah, we will be guided to the straight path. Bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to guide us at all times. Ameen. We move on. From Aisha radiallahu anha, she narrates that I heard the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying, no prophet gets sick, but he is given the choice to select either this world or the year after. So when the, the, the prophets become sick, what happens is they get given a choice, an option. Do you want to stay in the dunya or do you want the akhirah? Right? So Aisha says, during his fatal illness, his voice became very husky and I heard him saying, He quoted that ayah that we mentioned earlier in, in Surah Nisa, where Allah said to those who are in the company of uh, in the company of those whom is the grace of Allah, the blessings of Allah, of the prophets, the Siddiqeen. The martyrs and the pious. And from this Aisha says, I came to know that he has, been, he has been given the option. Meaning, the option has come to him. So what did he respond to the option? يعني, I want to be with them now. It's as if to say, he knew his time in the dunya is up. He is now choosing the, the option to be with them. Meaning in Jannah, in the Akhirah. Right? That refers to the, the ayah that we spoke about. Ibn Kathir in his tafsir, he says, this hadith explains the meaning of another hadith when the Prophet sallallahu said before his death, Allahumma fir rafiq al-a'la. Oh Allah, in the, in the company of the Most High. In the company of the Most High. He said this three times and then he passed away, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and that's in the hadith in Bukhari. So this was also, before he passed away, this is what he said. You know, this is a dua. And if any of us find ourselves on the deathbed, on our deathbeds, you know, may Allah keep us firm, this is something that we should say, you know. Allahumma fir rafiq al-a'la. Oh Allah, in the company of the Most High. In the, in, in, most High here means those honorable, blessed slaves who have reached the highest points in Jannah. Right? Like the Prophets, like the Siddiqeen, like the Martyrs and so forth. The Salihin, like them. This is what the Prophet said before he died and previously that hadith as well. Right? Because this is where he, he longed to be. Right? And this is what he chose before he death. Um, and Allah unite us with them. Ibn Jarir in his tafsir records that Sa'id ibn Jubair said, an Ansari man came to the Prophet ﷺ feeling sad. 
the Prophet said to him, Why do I see you sad? And he said, Oh Allah's Prophet, I was contemplating about something. The Prophet said, What is it? And the Ansari man said, We come to you day by day and night by night, looking at your face and sitting by you. Tomorrow you will be raised with the Prophets, and we will not be able to see you. And the Prophet did not say anything, but Jibreel later came down to him with this ayah. So this is the background to the revelation of this ayah. That these men were sad because they realized if the Prophet goes tomorrow, we will never be with him in Jannah because he is going to be in the highest ranks and we will not reach those ranks. So this caused them to become sad. So what was the ayah? وَمَن يُطِعِ اللَّهَ وَالرَّسُولَ وَإِذَا أُبَيْزَ اللَّهَ the Messenger فَأُولَٰئِكَ مَعَ الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ مِنَ النَّبِيِّينَ They then will be in the company of those on whom Allah has bestowed His grace or His blessings of the Prophets, the Siddiqeen and so forth. And the Prophet ﷺ sent the good news to this Ansari man, right? To console them that whoever truly obeys Allah and the Messenger, you will be with him in Jannah. Whoever truly obeys Allah and the Messenger, he sticks to the Quran and the Sunnah, he worships Allah, he believes in Allah appropriately, like that of the, of the Messenger and the Sahaba and so forth, he will be with them in Jannah. And this gave them, this was glad tidings to them. In another hadith, uh, Rabi'ah ibn Ka'ba al-Aslami, he said, I used to bring them to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, water for wudu and serve him. He said, ask of me, and I said, I want to be with you in paradise. So he used to serve the Prophet So the Prophet then said to him, ask me, and I can give you something in return. And he said, I want to be with you in Jannah. The Prophet then said, is there anything else? I said, that's it. That's all. I just want to be with you in Jannah. The Prophet then said, فَأَعِنِّي عَلَى نَفْسِكَ بِكَثْرَةِ السُّجُودِ Help me to fulfill your wish by prostrating a great deal, by increasing in sujood. And this is a lesson for us again. If we want to be with the Prophet here's the answer. Increase in your sujood, meaning make lots of salah. Make as many, you know, salawat as possible. And wherever you can, two rakaats nafil, your faraid, your sunnahs, and so forth, don't leave it out. Qiyamul layl and so forth, this, inclu- this increases your chances of being with the Prophet Jannah, may Allah make us of them. One more hadith on this issue. Anas bin Malik, he said, I never saw the companions of the Messenger of Allah so happy about anything as I saw them happy about this thing. A man said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, a man loves another man for the good work which he does, but he himself cannot do like it. Meaning, he loves his brother because of his righteousness, but he realizes he can never be as righteous as him. Meaning, he will never reach him in his righteousness. So the Prophet said, Al-mar'u ma'aman ahab. A man will be with those whom he loves. Right? Meaning, in Jannah, this man outdoes you, but because you love him for that and you could not really reach him, inshallah, you will be with him in any case. Like the example of um, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. One more hadith. Uh, similar hadith, a man said, O Messenger of Allah, when will the hour be established? So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, he stood to perform salah and when he was finished with his salah, he said, where is the one who asked me about the hour? The man said, it was I, O Messenger of Allah. And he said, what have you prepared for the hour? So he said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, I have not prepared much of salah or fasting, but I love Allah and His Messenger. This is what he could prepare. He knew he loves Allah and the Messenger. Maybe his ibadat was not that much. So the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, A man shall be with whom he, whomever he loves, and you shall be with whomever you love. So after the advent of Islam, I did not see that anything brought the Muslims more happiness than that. And that's the word of Anas. That nothing made them happier than knowing this fact. Nothing brought them joy 
you know, more than this point, than this fact, that, you know what, we are not going to be like the Prophet ﷺ. We are not going to be like Abu Bakr. It's impossible. We can, we can never be like Umar ibn Khattab and the, and the Sahaba and so forth. But we will try our best to be like them. We will try our best to imitate them, to learn from them, you know, to learn the Sunnah and to imitate the Prophet ﷺ as best as, as, as best as we can. And the Sahaba. And we will believe like they believed. We will act like they act. We will try our best. And this is true love. This is true love, by the way. Loving is to follow. Love is to follow, right? Um, and then, what the glad tidings for this is, you will be with the ones that you love. Those whom you truly believed and followed and, and, and imitated and loved, you will be with them. Love is not lip service. We love the Prophet and we do everything else haram. We love the Prophet and we engage in all acts that he forbid. And part of this is bid'ah. Part of this is innovations that we do all types of innovation out of love for the Prophet. But the Prophet himself forbid innovation. The people of innovation will come on the day of Qiyamah for Shafa'ah to drink from the hawd on the lake of the Prophet and they will be chased away because of innovation. The Malaika will chase them away. The Prophet will call them back and say, he's part of my Ummah. The Malaika will say, you don't know ma ahlathu ba'daka, what they innovated after you. The Prophet will then say, suhqan, go away, go away. You know, so when we claim to love the Prophet we have to follow the Sunnah and, and restrict ourselves to the Sunnah. Don't change the deen, don't add to the deen, don't become major sinners and so forth. The, we, these are the people who will achieve success and this is part of following the correct path as we explained last week and this week inshallah we move on to the last ayah of surah al-fatiha so we've explained now what is this path the path of those whom Allah has blessed right who are they the, it is specifically the path of the people who fear Allah those who perfect the Islam and the Ihsan we spoke about that then we mentioned, more specifically, it's the path of those whom Allah has blessed, like the prophets, like the Siddiqeen, the true, uh, sincere ones, the truthful ones, the martyrs, the shuhada, and the salihin, and the righteous. Right? And we said specifically, this path is the path of the salaf al-salih, the righteous predecessors. We need to study their path and try our best to uh, stick to their path. Stick to their path, right? Stick to it as best as you can. And bi'ithnillah, you will achieve success in this world and in the akhirah without a doubt. By the will of Allah. So we move on to the last ayah. Allah Azza wa Jal says, غَيْرِ الْمَغْضُوبِ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا الضَّالِّينَ غَيْرِ الْمَغْضُوبِ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا الضَّالِّينَ Not those you are displeased with or those who are astray. Not those you are displeased with, with or those who are astray. Right? So again, this adds on to the previous two ayat. Guide us to the straight path, the path of those you have blessed, not the path of those who have who are you are displeased with, or those whom have incurred your wrath or your anger, or those who are misguided or astray. Okay? So we're going to the tafsir of this. Firstly, the maghdubi alayhim, the ulama said refers specifically to the Jews and the Dalin, the those who are astray refers to the Christians, right? And we will explain why. And this is, comes from hadith. This tafsir that we gave comes from hadith. In a tirmidhi, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, the Jews are the maghdubi alayhim, are those who Allah is displeased with, and the Christians are the dalin, those who have strayed, right? Those who are astray. 
is the Christians. So this tafsir comes straight from hadith. Right? It's a tafsir bil hadith where the Prophet tells us who the maghdubi alayhim is and who the dalin is. Specifically, it is the Jews and the Christians. Tayyib. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also tells us about how the Jews have incurred his anger and his wrath. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to Baqarah, بِئْسَ مَا اشْتَرَوْا بِهِ أَنفُسَهُمْ أَنْ يَكْفُرُوا بِمَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ بَغْيًا أَنْ يُنَزِّلَ اللَّهُ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ عَلَى مَنْ يَشَاءُ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ Miserable is the price they have sold their souls for. Denying Allah's revelation and resenting Allah for granting His grace to whoever He wills of His servants. This is the jealousy of the Yahud. They sold their deen, they disbelieved because they were upset with Allah. They didn't like what Allah was doing. You know, that didn't please them. Um, and so they showed this resentment because Allah guided whomsoever He wants and bestowed His favor upon whomsoever He wants of His slaves. They weren't happy with us. So Allah says, فَبَاءُ بِغَضَبٍ عَلَىٰ غَضَبٍ Notice the word غَضَب. مَغْضُوب comes from the word غَضَب. مَغْضُوبِ عَلَيْمٍ comes from the word غَضَب which means Allah's anger or His displeasure. Right? Or His wrath. So Allah says, فَبَاءُ بِغَضَبٍ عَلَىٰ غَضَبٍ They have earned wrath upon wrath. This is the, the anger of Allah, the displeasure of Allah. They have earned this upon more of it. وَلِلْكَافِرِينَ عَذَابٌ مُّهِينَ And then Allah says, and such disbelievers will suffer a humiliating punishment. The point here is, this is what they have earned. غَضَب Clearly proving they are the مَغْضُوبِ عَلَيْهِ The Jews. Even though they are described as having the anger or the displeasure of Allah upon them, they are also darlin. Right? So, when we say that they have the anger of Allah upon them, does that mean that they're not astray? They are also astray, right? Likewise, the Christians... We say they are the dalin, they are misguided and astray. Does that mean that they don't have the wrath of Allah upon them? Or the anger or the displeasure of Allah upon them? No, it, they are still under the they are still under the displeasure of Allah as well. Right? So why these specific descriptions? Because these descriptions are more befitting and specific to them respectively. Okay, and we'll go into details on that as well. But Remember, when we say that the Jews are maghdubi alayhim, they are also dalin. They are also astray at the same time. Because the two actually go hand in hand, right? And the Christians, when we say they are dalin, they are also maghdubi alayhim, right? But the reason why we gave the Jews the specific um, description of being maghdubi alayhim, specifically, was applied more to them. Why? Because they are more astray. They are more severe in the mis in the dalala, in the misguidance than the Christians. Allah Azza wa Jal says, Kulya ahl kitab, say, O people of the book, La taglufi dinikum. And this was addressing the Christians, right? This in this case is addressing the Christians uh, directly. Do not go to extremes in your faith. Ghulu, don't become extremists. Fidinikum uh, al haq. Right? Don't go to extremes in your deen beyond the truth. Nor follow the vain desires of those who went astray before you. Right? Do not follow the vain desires of those who went astray before you, meaning the Jews. They misled many and strayed from the right path. Right? This refers to the Jews. So Allah is warning the Christians, don't become like them. They follow their desires, don't be like them. Don't be extremists in your religion and go beyond the truth. 
and don't follow your desires like those before you who went astray and led many astray and they went off the straight path. This is Allah warning the Christians about the Jews and their misguidance, showing us that they are more astray than the Christians. You know, Allah said, don't become like them because they are extremely misguided and so forth. Also, they are more astray and described as having the displeasure of Allah upon them because they were given knowledge but opposed it. And this is really important, right? They were given clear knowledge and lots of evidence were established upon them. They were stubborn, right? Very stubborn. And they asked many questions and they refused to accept and eventually they, and they still went astray and the truth was made very clear to them. However, they differed even though they knew what they were doing. They knew what the haq is. They knew what's right. They could see it. It's clear to them. But they were too arrogant. They were too stubborn. They refused to accept. And they still followed their desires. And this is why they are described in a more severe sense than the, than the Christians. As being those who have the displeasure and the wrath and the anger of Allah upon them. Right? As Allah says about the Jews. Those who we gave the scriptures, those we gave, those we have given the scripture, recognize this prophet, the Prophet as they recognize their own children. It's clear to them. They knew exactly. Just like they recognize their own child, Allah says, that's how much they recognize that this is the Prophet of Allah, Rasulullah. Yet a group of them hides the truth knowingly. Pay attention, knowingly. They knew what they're doing. And they hid the truth. They knew it's the truth. Allah says this about them. Right? So that's the Jews. So they changed halal to haram knowingly. They changed haram to halal knowingly. And they changed the hudud, the boundaries of Allah, knowingly. Right? This is the way of the Jews. They were given knowledge, but they purposefully, and they knew what they were doing. They, the haq was clear to them, but they still opposed it. They still followed their desires, and they changed things as they pleased. And this is why they were so, or described as being more, you know, in a more severe sense than the Christians. This is why. Because they had been given the ilm, the knowledge, but they still went astray. Hence, anyone who does this in the Sharia of Allah is following the way of the Jews. Anyone who acts ignorantly is following the way of the Christians. Tayyip, the word dalal, or dalin, comes from the word dalala or dalal. In Arabic, it means to forget. Okay, firstly, from in, in the linguistic meaning, it means to forget. As Allah says in Surah Baqarah, "Anta dilla ihdahuma fatudakira ihdahuma al-ukhra." Dilla comes from dalla, yadillu, dalal, dalala. Same word. So, if one of the women forgets, tadilla, the other may remind her. That's in the linguistic sense, right? But what do we mean by dalal? What's meant by dalin and dalal? We translate it as astray or misguided. It's used for a person who opposes the truth. Opposes the truth, the haq, due to a lack of knowledge. Due to a lack of knowledge. Either due to forgetfulness or due to turning away from the knowledge. So dalala is someone, a person who's dal, misguided. Right? Is someone who is like a jahil. Right? He's like a jahil. So he doesn't have knowledge. Nor does he go and learn knowledge. But he acts. He has his belief system. He has his a'mal that he follows and so forth. With no knowledge. He just follows, you know, and he just carries on. 
This is Dalala. And he's not upon the Haqq either. So he's like lost. You understand? Understand? He's lost, he's astray, he's misguided. He's off the correct path because of no ilm, no knowledge. Right? And this is how the Christians are known to be. They were known not to be people who worshipped Allah upon ilm, upon yaqeen, upon certainty, upon knowledge. They worshipped upon jahl, upon ignorance. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَرَهْبَانِيَّةً يَبْتَدَعُوهَا مَا كَتَبْنَاهَا عَلَيْهِمْ إِلَّا بِتِغَاءَ رِضْوَانِ اللَّهِ مَا رَعُوهَا حَقَّ رِعَايَتِهَا As for monasticism, monasticism, right? رَهْبَانِيَّةً ابْتَدَعُوهَا Allah says, they invented it. Comes from the word bid'ah, ibtada'ah, like bid'ah, they made it up. They invented it. Allah says, we never ordained it for them. Meaning it wasn't didn't come from the, 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 the gospel or from the book that Allah sent or anything. They made it up. It wasn't based on ilm. It was made up. They, they invented it. Right? Only seeking to please Allah. Yet, They made it up for what reason? To, to seeking the pleasure of Allah. Yet they did not even observe it strictly. So this was the Christians. They were not following ilm. They were not following knowledge-based deen. This is one example from the Quran. There are many other examples. But when Allah mentions it in the Quran, that they followed something that they invented themselves, wasn't knowledge-based. Right? Yet the intention was good. The intention was to what? To seek the pleasure of Allah. And even that, even though this was the case, they didn't do it properly. Right? So... Um, and again, this is something very similar to bid'ah in today, in the, in the Sharia in today, in, in, in today's time, people do innovations to seek the pleasure of Allah. We don't doubt that. Their niyyah may be pure. But what they are doing is made up. It's not based upon ilm. It's not based upon hadith or Quran or sahaba's ways and so forth. It's made up. And there's so many examples, the mawlid, the group dhikrs, the jumping dhikrs, the dancing dhikrs, all of these things. Many, many examples, these hundreds of examples, right, of things that are being done that are made up and invented, which Allah did not ordain for them. Nor did Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ordain it for them. Nor did the Sahaba, you know, worship Allah in this way and so forth. Right? Even though they seek the pleasure of Allah, this doesn't mean it's good enough. This doesn't mean it's accepted. Understand? Even the Christians did that. But Allah is not praising them for this. Allah is not saying it was good what they did. Understand? Um, and even uh, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, when he found a group of people in the masjid gathered, making group dhikr, he said to them that you, if you're following a way, you know, that's better than the sunnah, you, 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 you're more learned than the Prophet and the Sahaba. And they said, our intention is good. And he said, how many people intend good, but they don't reach what they intended. Meaning, it's not sufficient to have a good intention. You must follow the sunnah. So, this ayah, there's a warning against both paths. The one similar to the Jews and the one similar to the Christians. Right? And that's very important to, for us to now know. What is the one similar to the Jews? We need to not be like this now. When we say, We are saying not to guide us to this path. This doesn't mean don't make us become Jews. It means don't send us on this path similar to that of the Jews. When we say, Right? We are saying, Allah guide us to the straight path, the path of those you have blessed. Not the path of the of those who have 
incurred your anger or your displeasure. Similar to the Jews. What is similar to the Jews? Those who have been given knowledge. Those whom Allah has guided to the path of irshad and ilm. We spoke about this last week. Refer back to that, that, that type of hidayah. Right? Those whom Allah has made the path clear to them. Allah has made knowledge clear to them. They see haqq and batil. They see it as it is. They see hadith and bid'ah. They see sunnah versus bid'ah. They see halal versus haram. They see um, righteousness versus fisq and sin. They see it as it is. But they still follow the, the wrong path. They still refuse to follow the right path. Out of either stubbornness, either arrogance, either ta'asubiya, which means, you know, like partisanship because my father's following this path, I'm going to follow it. Even though you see the haqq is telling you something different. My grandparents followed this, my culture says this, my masjid, my sheikh, my teacher says this, my murshid says this, so I have to do it. Follow the Quran and the sunnah. Stick to the right path. Save yourself. You understand? Don't be like the Jews who made up excuses, who came up with whatever reasons and refused to follow the knowledge when it came. And this is extremely important. That when knowledge comes, make sure you take the knowledge and follow it. Surah Al-Saf, Allah says, when they turned away, when you turn away from the message, it comes, it's clear, Allah turns their hearts away. Allah turned their hearts away. And as we said, the heart is in the hand of Allah. It's between the two fingers of Allah. He can turn it as He pleases. So guidance, we said, be grateful for it. Alhamdulillah, guidance came. I'm going to follow. I'm going to accept and follow. Don't be stubborn. Don't make up excuses. Don't justify anything. Follow it as it comes. You understand? This is the way of a true believer. When it comes, we say, We've heard and we obey. That's it. That's the end of the matter. And we carry on. We don't make up any excuses. Um, and even if we stand by, by ourselves, as we said about the ghuraba, the strangers, if you must be a stranger, be a stranger. Rather be a stranger in this dunya and you will be with the prophets in the akhirah. Rather be a stranger now and, and, and have a tough, harder time now, you will be with those whom you are following in the akhirah. As we said in this lesson, inshallah ta'ala. And don't also be similar to the Christians. Don't also... We, be similar to the, the Christians, meaning don't just follow blindly. Don't be a Muslim who's, who, who just takes the deen as it came to him. He grew up with Islam and he grew up, you know, and that's enough. Use your time and study. Go and learn. What does Allah say in the Quran? This is wahi. What does the sunnah say? It's also wahi. Let's learn. Let's increase our knowledge, you know. And we can speak about the importance of knowledge. For, for hours on end. So many hadith that speaks about it. The Quran speaks about it. You know. When Allah wants goodness for a person. He grants him the understanding of the deen. We want to be of those people who understand the deen. What is the deen? The deen is based on the Quran and the sunnah. Let's study the Quran and the sunnah. Let's study the way of the sahaba. Let's follow it. Let's not just follow blindly. Let's not just be of those people who are led. You know. Astray by others. Let's look for the truth. Let's search for the truth. And let's follow the truth. This is what Surah Fatiha is teaching us. This is what this Fatiha so powerfully is teaching us. Don't be like the Jews who got knowledge and was too stubborn and arrogant. Don't be like the Christians who just followed and made up things and went and followed everything. Let's be in the middle. Let's be in the middle. Which means, let's learn from authentic sources and let's follow the authentic sources. Let's not be like those who say, Why are you following this path? We found our forefathers doing this. That's how they did it. So that's how we're going to do it. 
That's not Islam. That's not the, you know, the, the, the proper way. Um, Wallahu al-musta'an. So these are the powerful lessons that we're getting from Surah Al-Fatiha. At the end, right, we've completed the Fatiha. At the end, it is legislated to say, Ameen. Right, to say, Ameen. Waladhalin, Ameen. As we say behind, after every dua, we should say, Ameen. Right? Um, so obviously, when the Imam recites, if you are making your own salah and you say, Ameen, that, that makes sense. Firstly, Ameen at the, at the bottom, it says, it means, Allahumma stajib, it means, oh Allah, accept. When you say, Ameen, you are saying, oh Allah, accept. Tayyib. Um, and obviously the end of the Fatiha is a dua. Ihdina surat al-mustaqim, surat al-ladhina an'amta alayhim, ghayr al-maghdubi alayhim al-dhalim. That's dua. For guidance to the straight path, path of those whom uh, Allah has blessed, and not the path of those whom Allah have earned Allah's anger or displeasure, nor those who have gone astray like the Jews and the Christians. Not that path. We say Ameen. Right? If the Imam recites, everybody then has to say Ameen. Even though we don't recite it with him, when we say Amin to the dua, it's as if we have made the dua ourselves. It's as if we have made the dua ourselves. That is the principle and is even evidence for this in the Quran. Um, and it should be said out loud in the salah for men. Right? In the salah, when the Imam says, everybody should say Amin. Right? And you can you know, prolong it slightly. Um, not screaming out loud, but in a nice audible voice. You, know, you raise your voice slightly and you say Amin. And you can elongate it Amin a little bit. Um, and, and this is the sunnah way that it should be done uh, in Allah knows best in a hadith narrated by Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said when the imam says then you must say ameen for if one utters ameen the utterance of ameen if his utterance of ameen coincides with that of the malaika then his past sins will be forgiven right this is the virtue of saying Amin in the Salah. Number one, you are asking Allah to accept this dua, firstly. Secondly, when you say the Amin and you prolong it nicely, the Malaika are also saying it Amin. If yours coincides with this, your sins are forgiven. Minor sins are forgiven, right? So again, this is also why we should prolong it a little bit so that we can at least coincide with the Malaika, okay? Um, and not just say Amin, you know? Uh, Amin. Prolong it nicely, inshallah. Um, <clears throat> so that it coincides with that of the Malaika and our sins will be forgiven by the will of Allah um, insha'Allah one more point we should not say insha'Allah ameen you should not say insha'Allah ameen right obviously after the Fatiha you're not going to say insha'Allah ameen but in general this is, a, this is something that people say may Allah guide you insha'Allah ameen may Allah bless us insha'Allah ameen may Allah grant you the best insha'Allah ameen uh, this is actually kind of incorrect, right? Because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he said, uh, When you ask, you should be um, firm in your, in your questioning, right? And you should not say, if you want to, O Allah, and if you, like, in means if, if Allah wills, if Allah wants, right? So when we say, we shouldn't say, uh, we shouldn't make dua like this. Oh Allah, guide me if you want to. Insha'Allah. If Allah wills, He will guide me. Yes, it's under the will of Allah, but we should not make dua in this, mat- in this manner. Rather, the hadith says you shouldn't be using those words. You should li'azim al-mas'ala, meaning you must be firm in your questioning, in your, in, your, in your du'as. So when you say, Oh Allah, guide me. Oh Allah, guide me. Ameen. Oh Allah, guide them. Ameen. You know, not insha'Allah, ameen, but just say ameen, which means 
you know, accept Ya Allah, this is that firmness that we want and the conviction that we want when we make dua, right? And maybe this will end off on this point. Um, why is it that we're all making the dua but not all of us are being guided, right? Not all, all of the Muslims are reciting this dua, but not all, everybody is guided. Many people are astray. Many people, as we said, are in serious misguidance. Far from the Quran, from the Sunnah, some in, in involved in shirk, some involved in grave worship, some involved with major sins, zina, riba, uh, some involved in, you know, uh, innovations and all type of misguidance. But yet they recite this ayah for guidance. The answer is that many a times we recite the ayah firstly and our minds are not present. And this is the whole intent behind the scores that we become focused when we make dua. We become focused when we recite. So we can benefit from the recitation. So now when we recite it, we should recite it with meaning. We know what we are saying. We know what we are saying behind these words. And then we are, hence we are asking Allah, you know, sincerely for this, for this guidance, for the straight path and so forth. Right? Because the hadith says, Allah does not accept the, 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 the dua of the one whose heart is ghafirin lahin an. His heart is heedless and distracted from him. So imagine we're reciting this ayah every day in salah, but our heart is not there. We're not focused. We are, uh, uh, our, our mind is all over the show. So we are heedless. We are, 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 are distracted. This type of dua is not accepted. This could be one reason why, you know, we are not being guided because we are making the dua and our heart is not present. So let's focus on that, inshallah. And secondly, Make the dua with an open heart. Ya Allah, guide me to this straight path, the, the one straight path. That path which is straight and correct, and that path which you have, we have blessed of the prophets and the anbiya and the siddiqeen and the shuhada and the salihin and the sahaba and so forth, that way of the salaf salih which we spoke about, guide me to that path. Don't think about any other path in your mind that you are asking Allah to guide you to something specific. Ya Allah, guide me to this, this path here that 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 sheikh is upon or that this person is upon. No. Ask Allah to guide you to his path. To the path of the Prophet And you know those we have, Allah has blessed and, and so forth as we explained. Insha'Allah ta'ala. So ask Allah with an open heart. Sincerely. And be prepared to follow when Allah guides you. Don't be, you know, don't put up barriers. That I'm not going to follow if it's against this, if it's against that one. Or, you know, we don't judge guidance by men. Guidance and the truth is judged according to the Quran and the Sunnah, not according to so and so that you think is righteous or you think is sincere or you believe is. Open your heart, open your mind to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ask Him sincerely to guide you to the truth and follow the truth. The truth is based on the Quran and the Sunnah. Look for the evidences, look for what Allah said, look for what the Messenger says, look for where the Sahaba were upon. And follow that, inshallah. And then you will find the scholars who are following this methodology. Then you will find the ulama who are according to this methodology. Those who are quoting the Quran, the hadiths, the, the way of the sahabas, and so forth. Then you follow them, inshallah, and you, so that you can be idnla, trust them, and take, their knowledge, and take your knowledge from them. Bi'idnillahi ta'ala. So, alhamdulillah, we've reached the end of Surah Al-Fatiha. And we ask Allah Azza wa Jal firstly to make us of those who understand the surah, and to those who... Uh, he increases in, in the understanding of the surah and who those for, uh, to, to make us of those who act upon what we've learned from the powerful meanings of the surah. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. And for those who forever benefit from this powerful surah until the day that we leave this dunya. I mean that, that he guides us. He makes us of those who are upon the right path. 
Ameen Rabbil Alameen and that we continuously benefit from his kalam and next week inshallah we will move on to Surah Al-Duha um, and we will move from there to the end to Nas through the short surahs and it will be a lot shorter than this explanation on the Fatiha but we will try and benefit wherever we can inshallah ta'ala um, until next week wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت استغفرك وأتوب إليك السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته